couple of verses found in the gospel. Allow me just to read those first two verses again so you can have them on your mind. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the word of our Lord. There was an article in the New York Times some time ago about a man who surveyed a number of, uh, of 18 to 23-year-olds about moral issues. And so there were a number of open-ended questions about what was right and wrong, moral dilemmas, and, and the meaning of life. And he said that after quite a bit of rambling from, from many of the people, there was, there was pretty much consensus on the fact that murder and rape were, were wrong, but when it came to other judgment calls about what is right and wrong, the default answer seemed to be, well, it's personal. Who am I to say? It's up to the individual to decide what is right and what is wrong. It seems that our society has lost its grip on not just morality, but I think the bigger picture is, is a standard of truth, someone to hold people accountable. I was doing some other reading and some articles of people who talk about what they think the results are from a lack of morality in, in America. And there's many different ideas of what people have. Some people say that there's a higher number of people who are depressed, that there are more mental illnesses because of our lack of morality in, in America today. Some people say that uh, there is a higher divorce rate, higher crime rate. People look at negative influences on children. And I don't know if we can ever pinpoint exactly what the results are of living in a society that is, is immoral, that, that has a, a lack of morality. But to be honest with you, society has always been like that. We've always lived in an immoral society to some degree, right? But there is something that, that we can say, and that I worry about. With those 18 to 23-year-olds who were surveyed, what's going to happen to them when they are standing in front of a God that they didn't think existed on Judgment Day, when they are standing in front of a God who they didn't think cared about the way that they lived their lives, what then? Today we're talking about truth. Specifically the theme of our sermon is finding truth. But maybe we, before we talk about how to find that truth, we need to talk about the question, can a truth even be found? Let's look at what the Bible says. Again, Jesus says, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right here, Jesus equates the truth to his teaching, the teaching of Jesus. And later on in the book of John, he says, Your word is truth. And so we have a decision to make. Are we going to treat the Bible as the highest authority in the land? Are we going to call the Bible the highest authority, the, the standard of truth, whereby every other idea and philosophy and opinion, uh, science and moral judgment calls are really submissive to the higher authority of God's word? Are we going to say that? Are we going to say that the scriptures are truth and everything else must submit to them? I'm assuming that the whole fact that you are here today, you would say that, that the scripture is, is higher than any other. Right? And yet, we have to understand, too, that believing that scripture is the true source of 
authority in the world is a matter of faith, isn't it? Assuming we're going to be talking about this in the canonicity Bible study in the weeks to come. But suffice it for now to say that we say that God's word is God's word, that it is truth because the Bible says that it's truth, because the Bible says that it's God's word. It's self-authenticating. And I realize and understand that that is backwards logic. I know that. But at the same time, understand that if some other person or book were to authenticate the veracity, the, the the Bible as being the truth, then that would put that book and that or that person in a higher level of authority. So understanding that we, we see and understand that the Bible is the one source of truth, the one standard of truth, I do think that we may not always treat it that way. And here's how. Maybe you've had examples in your own life where you sat down with extended family or friends at the dinner table, and the subject of religion came up. And all of a sudden, there's, some uncomfortable, there's an uncomfortable conversation because your Uncle Joe confesses that he believes someday he's, being, he's going to be reincarnated into a cow. And I know that's an extreme example, right? But, but I'm sure conversations like that have come up where it just sounded like, well, that doesn't sound right. And, and all of a sudden, the subject conversation, the, the phrase that you hear over and over again is this. It's, well, I think, or in my opinion, And once those two phrases start coming out, well, I think, or in my opinion, all of a sudden you become captive, you become a slave to human opinion. Where the person who seems to shout the loudest or seems to have the best reasoning seems to win the discussion. And we're left in in a world of confusion where no one seems to be confident of what actually is right or wrong. And worse yet, we treat the Bible as if it's something that can be debated. We leave others thinking that no one can ever be confident, even ourselves, of the truth of what the Bible says. Another way that I think we can mistreat the authority of Scripture is by not knowing what it says. Maybe part of the reason why you don't silence a religious discussion with the phrase, well, let's see what the Bible says about that, is because you don't know exactly what the Bible says about that. You don't know where it's found. You don't know a good illustration to, or a good way to explain something that you have believed for a long time. I know since I've been here, I've had a number of conversations with people in our church about various topics where I was able to show them from the Bible what how a man is supposed to be the head of his household, or how something like homosexuality is a sin. And the phrase that always comes up afterwards is, wow, I didn't know that the Bible was so clear on the subject. And it is embarrassing when a JW comes, when a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, and it seems that they are able to run biblical circles around you, isn't it? How many of us have hurt the integrity of God's word by not being able to give a good reason for the hope that we have, by not being able to give a good explanation for why we believe what we believe, for not knowing the Bible well enough. You see, what we have in our lesson is Jesus saying, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That truth that God has given to us is first and foremost something that frees you and frees me from our slavery to sin. 
See, it's Satan who wants to put guilt into your mind over and over again that you aren't a worthy disciple of him, that you should know scripture better, and so you aren't worthy even of his forgiveness. But it's our Savior who comes back with the truth that's found in God's word so that you can be confident, so that you can know that there is absolutely no question that each and every one of your sins are forgiven. They are. That is a fact. That is truth. Later on in the book of John, Jesus was going to be standing in front of Pilate. And it was just a really interesting conversation that Pilate had personally between Jesus. And it it made sense that Pilate had some questions. He was woken up early on a Friday morning. An angry mob is outside, and they wanted to to kill this man who obviously was innocent. So Pilate had some questions, and and he says to him, So you are a king. And Jesus says this back, yes, I am a king. For this reason, I was born and came into this world, he says, to testify to the truth. He said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate responded with his famous words, what is truth? Pilate was confused. Pilate had no idea that the person standing right in front of him was the definition of truth. Pilate had no idea that, that, that he was the one who was being held captive. Pilate had no idea that the person standing in front of him with shackles around his hand was the key to his own freedom, freedom from sin. Pilate had no idea by, that by him convicting Jesus and sending him to the cross, Jesus would then free the entire world of their sins. We have no evidence in Scripture that, that Pilate ever came to faith. But you and I are his disciples. You and I do have faith. And so we know that we are free from our sins, free from guilt. That is a fact. That is true. And we know that that's the fact, even though we haven't always been the most worthy disciples, even though we don't know his word perfectly, even though we aren't able to always give the best illustration as if Jesus himself were here to explain to someone. We are his disciples. And and so what does that mean? That we get to be his disciples. What Jesus did was he was not simply satisfied to remove each and every one of your sins. But see, he wants to use you as containers of this truth. So what do you do now that you have this truth? Look again at what our lesson says. (coughs) It says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. The job of a disciple is to hold. It doesn't sound like a very active action verb, but it is. It's to hold. And it's especially an active word when you consider that it's very similar to the job of a soldier who's guarding something that's very precious. And when there's an enemy, who's after it? We are soldiers of Christ who, who guard and hold on to the truth of Jesus' teaching. And it's Satan who wants to come after that because he knows that we are holding it. He's going to come after it, not not only to destroy the truth, but but he wants to, at the least, confuse the truth that you have. And so it might start out as something as simple, where, where people, as you pronounce the truth of what you believe, based off of what the Bible says, that people call you closed minded simple-minded, or old-fashioned, and, and those are just, those are the nice words, right? And yet we hold. Hold to the truth. 
there's a phrase that I want to offer to you to help you in your task of holding to the truth. And it's this. I'd like you to say it with me. Let's see what the Bible says about this. Can we say it together? Let's see what the Bible says about this. That's a great phrase. I'd love you to use. When there is a, there is a confusing argument where, where someone doesn't know exactly the right and what's wrong about religion, about whatever it might be, to say, well, let's see what the Bible says about this. So that we don't become like people that Paul mentions in the book of Ephesians where he says, they're infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Be like the man who, who built his house on the sand rather than the man who built his house on the rock, the solid truth of God's word. So that when someone comes to you with, with questions, good questions, thoughtful questions about creation, you don't have to throw out your opinion. You just say, well, let's see what the Bible says about this. When someone comes to you about controversial sins in our society today, you don't have to throw out your opinion. You just say, well, let's see what the Bible says about this. And even if the person doesn't listen to you or doesn't believe you, at least they know that what you spoke to them has nothing to do with your opinion. But has everything to do with what God's word says. So that in the end, they can't blame you and point the finger at you for what you believe. Rather, you can say, listen, if you have a problem with it, take it up with God. He wrote the book. It's not our opinion. It's truth. It's what he wrote for us. And that does give us a different type of freedom. Again, listen to the words of Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, if God's word is our one source of truth, and we hold on to it, we really are free. Free from error. Free from confusion. And it gives you something to say when people ask you, again, those good, thoughtful questions. When people ask you, well, what happens on Judgment Day? Well, let's see what the Bible says about this. When people ask you, well, who is God? Well, let's see what the Bible says about this. When your grandfather, who is a Christian, dies, you don't have to wonder and know what happened to him. When a a good friend of yours confesses a terrible sin that they committed, you don't have to just pat them on the back, but you can give them the promises that are found in the Bible, that their sins are forgiven. And that's a truth that they can know and be sure of. If people wonder about other sins, like, is polygamy a sin? Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Or people have other questions about, well, where did all the languages come from? What about rainbows? Where did they come from? There's great stories in the Bible that explain all of those things. And not just stories, but they're actually historical lessons that happen. God's Word gives us something to say. It is truth, isn't it? that we don't have to be confused. And that is, that is a type of freedom. It's relief. Because you don't have to wonder. You don't have to know. You, you, you don't have to wonder, but you can know that there is a truth. And, and I always want to offer this, too. And I know I've offered it before, and I know many of you take me up on the offer, but if you do have questions, and I know I get emails from people all the time about, well, what does the Bible say about this? What is... What, what does it say about this? Please send those to me. Email, give me a call. I'd love to answer them as best as we can because there's some times where the Bible doesn't speak on the matter. Well, that's important to know too. Say, well, the Bible doesn't mention this. Well, the Bible does mention this. 
So we find truth. We hold to the truth. And then it makes sense that we're going to celebrate truth. Yesterday, um, a number of us, there's about 15 or 20 of us, who went out to Grace of God Lutheran Church, our sister congregation in Long Island, to help them with their cleanup day. Um, and, and I know that the people who went there from Sure Foundation did not go because they just have a passionate desire to paint and to clean and to do gardening. I'm pretty sure of that. They went out there, rather, to express the joy and to celebrate the truth that we share with that one congregation out there. So you have something very unique with the 100-plus members of this con- congregation and the 44, or the 40-plus members of the congregation of the grace of God that you can't share with the other millions of people that are found in the New York metro area. See, when you stood up in front of this church or in front of another Wisconsin church to confess your faith, you confess your faith in the sense that you have unity in your understanding of Scripture. And that is a unique and beautiful thing. It's something that you cannot share with your best friend who's a co-worker. It's something that you can't share maybe with even some members of your family. It's something you can't share with Muslims or Jews, uh, with, with Mormons, and it's, and it's something you can't even share with other Christians, like Catholics, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, and Pentecostals. You can't. Rather, here the uniqueness that we have is that we we confess and believe in the truth, a united understanding of the truth. So that when you come here, you don't have to wonder and put up your guard and wonder if it's like, what's what's he going to say today? Is it going to be something apart from the truth? You can simply sit back and enjoy. Not only during the sermon, but when you're fellowshipping with others too. Celebrate that truth that we have. Amen.